This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a fond good morning, one and all. A beautiful Saturday morning, too, Charlie. Uh, apparently, there's some rain in the forecast for this afternoon, but tomorrow's well. going to be gorgeous. And you're finally going to get a day off tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. So. I was working all last week for Normie Edwards. Boy, oh boy. I'm yeah. tuckered. I bet <laughs> I'm you tuckered, are. But Those long uh, always, always delighted to come in on a Saturday morning to uh, sit in with you in studio and Aww. and uh, talk to our listeners. And that's the main thing I better get out, huh? The phone that's numbers. Right. Get those listeners calling. You got it. Yeah, we haven't got anybody online yet, but you can correct that, I'm sure, right now. I'm, I'm sure Josephine is hitting Oh, she's s- hitting the buttons right now. Speed dial sure. <laughs> as we speak. Okay. Uh, <laughs> In Toronto area, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, of course, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. A couple of little rules we have here. Our mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. Don't try to sneak that second one in. And and if you're a (laughs) first-time caller... There's always somebody trying to sneak something in there. Yeah, that's right. Sebastian is our operator today. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when when you call in your first-time caller, let him know. He'll let me know. And when you get to the air, that's what you're going to hear. Get your, your garden wings. That's right. Yeah. Very special. Um, okay. So the exhibition is on. Oh, yes. You know oh, it's wow. the middle of August. Yep. And you oh, know that means. September's coming. Yep. End of the summer. End of the summer. Whenever I hear those three little letters, see in the uh oh, oh, goodbye summer. Where did it go? But it didn't even start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I feel. Holy yeah. It, well, I mean, it. We've had some warm weather. Yeah. We've had some heat the last few weeks. I, yeah, uh, true. But it's it took so long to get here. Well, it's wow. been so and the wet. Rain. Yeah, the rainy weather. I was in Prince Edward County this past week for a couple of days, and mm-hmm. Lake Ontario is still way up. It's probably, I, I mean... At the I, height? I, well... <laughs> excuse me, could look this up, but mm-hmm. it's probably a meter higher right now than it would have been normally at this time wow. of year. Isn't that weird? And oh, it's that gone down a lot. Yeah, just because of the precipitation <laughs> We've had? I guess, yeah. And the wow. ground is so saturated, it all just runs off into okay. the lakes. Anyway, stuff going on. Uh-huh. Let me share an email for those of you who have heard me refer to companion planting. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about certain plants protect other plants, um, garlic being well right. known for that, from insects particularly, and then other plants act as the the target or the lure for insects to protect the plants that we don't want to have mm-hmm. eaten. So we'll put something else that we don't mind if it's eaten. So lots of different kind of ways to, to design the garden to maximize companionability between plants. And one of our listeners has heard me refer to some of this. Her name is Megan, and she gave uh, sent a quick email and just said that she loves the show and she has a suggestion of a gardening book that is um, very specific called 
Carrots Love Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So that's the name of the book, Carrots Love Tomatoes. It's by Louise Riott, R-R-I-O-T-T-E, and it's all about companion gardening. It's a, she said it's very comprehensive, it's well laid out, and an extremely helpful book. It covers partnering of plants for beneficial growth and also how to plant for pest control. So I have used it for years, and I highly recommend it. So just want to let me know and... and uh, have that share that out with oh, the listeners. Good, okay. So carrots love tomatoes. If you're interested in learning more about companion gardening, very good. Okay. Um, everything else, I've got uh-huh. stuff going on, but nothing for the next couple of weeks. So I think we'll just hold off on because sure. you know, starting September first, oh, look out, everything starts up again. All the hort societies, oh, all the right. events. They but all go crazy. August is still pretty cool. We can still really remain okay. calm. Let's, and, let's try and just yeah. keep, keep everything on a simmer. Yeah, not exactly. To a boil, right? Exactly. All right. <laughs> Frank Proctor here, along with Charlie Dobbin, our uh, expert gardener. Uh, well, master gardener, I guess is the correct term. But well, she... I'm, and I'm a horticulturalist, and, and, and you're a nice person too. Oh, see, there you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Back in just a couple of moments to see we had a full line of uh, callers calling in. We'll get to those momentarily. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And, uh, Charlie, you wouldn't believe, I'm looking at the lines here, three of our first four callers mm. are all first-time callers. Nice. Yeah, so my bell-ringing arm is going to be getting worn <laughs> out. Uh, Heather, this is for you, calling in from Scarborough. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. <laughs> nice to have you uh, with us. Hi, Frank. I'm, I'm the other half of Paul who phones in all the time and talks to you. Oh, right. Okay. Paul <laughs> yeah. and Heather I always asking, used to ask about my cat. Dickens, yes. Dickens, uh, yes. Okay. Um, my question is, I have a chestnut tree. I've had it for about five years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I've noticed the last couple of years, the top, the leaves on the top, they're all dried out, dark brown. They look like potato chips. Mm-hmm. And you notice that in August. Yeah. You know what that is? No. It's, it's actually a very common um, syndrome that happens to chestnut trees. Uh-huh. It depending, it's it, to some extent weather dependent. Uh, it's called scorch. It's just oh. a simple mm. scorch. It is. It's where the, and you're right. The leaves are like potato chips. They're just crispy and brown, and it. It, I believe it's fungal. It's a fungal disease in nature that so that uh, because we have springs and summers like this one where we've just had tons and tons of humidity and you know high levels of moisture, the fungal diseases have been very happy this season. Mm. And uh, it doesn't like ultimately it doesn't hurt the tree. I mean, it shortens its ability to photosynthesize with those leaves. But as long as you've got some green on it, uh-huh. I wouldn't be overly concerned. But it is something you can expect to see pretty regularly towards the end of every summer. Even on the big old chestnuts, you'll see it quite often. Mm. All the leaves are just all yellow and brown and crispy. Oh, well, this is, this is, these are dark brown, and they, mm. they're all over the lawn, but I figured, oh, I don't know what to do with the tree. I thought, should I cut it down? I don't want to do that. No, I wouldn't cut it down. I mean, they're beautiful in the spring with their flowers. They mm-hmm. do make a, a very lovely shade tree. They yeah. are native. I mean, there's a lot of good things to be said about chestnuts. Uh-huh. They, of course, provide the actual little chestnuts at some point, which the squirrels will have a lot of fun picking and, you know, throwing at you. Haven't seen that yet. Well, it'll, it's not old enough yet. It's got to yeah. reach a certain l- level of uh, maturity. Uh-huh. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot to be said that's positive about chestnuts, but they do become very big trees. So make sure it's got a place where it can really, you know, expand to its full size, width and height. I see. 
But um, but yeah, and unfortunately, that's what, the one time when they don't look good is is late summer quite often. Okay, so there's nothing really I can do spray or not that I know of. Oh. I can I I I'll double check and see if you can do anything to prevent you know be preemptive, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's something like dormant spray in the spring or or you know some kind of fungicide early in the summer, mm-hmm. and I'll report back on that. But I don't think there's any um, any way to prevent it. I see. Okay, Frank, I didn't get my bell. Oh. You, you did. You did. Yeah, she wants. Actually. She wants two sets of oh, wings. Oh well, <laughs> she's got the the, <laughs> dr- the, okay. the dress up wings and the everyday wings. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're welcome. Both of you have a super day. Thanks Thank so you, much Heather. for calling, Heather. Okay. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, she had a ball for me too. That's nice. Uh, Paul, <laughs> Pauline in Scarborough, one of the four who is not a first time caller. So welcome back, Pauline. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Charlie. I've uh, I have a, a bromeliad. Yes, bromeliad. Yep. And and um, it hasn't done anything really since I've gotten it. I keep uh, I've watered it, but it's you know on the dry side, and uh, it keeps getting groups of leaves. But that's it. So when you got it, it probably had a big flower sticking out of the middle. I th- yes. Was yeah, it a it did. pink flower or a red flower? Um. I'm not sure. I've had it for two years. Okay. Oh, uh, red. I hear it was uh, red. And the leaves are probably green. They're green, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, bromeliads are a member of the same family as the pineapples. So, if you oh. if you sort of think about the way a pineapple grows, this is how bromeliads grow. Um, so, the leaves are quite leathery and they grow in the shape of a of a vase and in the center is a cup if you will right. where the where the new growth comes from and where the flowers also come from when you water a bromeliad you water into that cup into the center of the plant you don't water the soil you water in so oh. that the the plant always has water held in that little cup and the reason why is because bromeliads originally evolved in the rainforest. So, okay. and they have very, very limited root systems, like tiny little root systems. You'll often find them just kind of hanging up in trees or, you know, nestled in a, a little branch structure. So the, the roots are strictly used to kind of hold on and hold themselves upright. And when they're upright, it's all that rain and all that humidity and moisture that gathers in the center of the plant that provides provides all the perfect conditions for that plant to grow. So when you're watering, that's where you water. Now, yes, they do take sometimes a couple of years to flower again after, because when you buy them or you're given them, they're always flowering. The flowers last for months and months and months, and eventually they die off. And actually that mother plant dies when the flower dies, but daughter plants will grow. And it's just a process of waiting for them to be mature enough, and then they will flower as well. So it's just bright light, you know, regular room temperature and keeping that water in the center of the plant. Okay. Ready? Okay, Pauline. I've had it for two years yeah, yeah. now and nothing. <laughs> well, no, two years isn't that long. But it's uh, oh. it's it'll take a it sometimes can take three or four years before it will flower again. Oh, okay, so don't worry. Exactly. They're, they're all saying patience is a virtue comes That's into play, right? right? Gardening. As, <laughs> Thank you, Pauline. As, well, it's in a window. You're good. And, and north window. That's and, fine. Uh, Never been outside. That's fine. Yep. 
No, all that's good. You, you know what? Just keep doing what you're doing, but water to the inside, like I said. Okay. Uh, right. Now, as we say goodbye I'm, to Pauline. See, I'm just going to show you right, yes. picture. See? This is what a bromeliad oh, yeah. looks mm-hmm. like. This is what. We, so, yeah. see how the oh, flower the comes out of the center? Yep. And you see how the water all kind of cycles down mm-hmm. into the center of the plant as well. Okay. All right. Now, we do have uh, a couple of lines open now, so let me repeat those phone numbers. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. The Garden Show on the air with Charlie Dobbin from Zoomer Radio, right here from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. And we should be back to uh, say hi to another first-time caller. Wow. Get that arm going. Get that bell (laughs) handy, Frankie. Okay, back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, it's time for Frankie Proctor to get that bell in action once again. (laughs) Hey, this time it's for Susie calling in from Barry. Hi, Susie. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. Hi. Good morning. I enjoy your show. Thank you. I have a problem with my roses. Mm-hmm. I have about 20 bushes, Canadian roses. Mm-hmm. And last year, too, I didn't do anything about it last year. They're called beetles. and Japanese, Japanese beetles. Yeah. And, and they are horrible. Mm. Now, this year, too, they were eating especially my uh, yellow or pink mm. roses and by now they look awful yeah. and it was so beautiful beginning of the summer and i don't know what to do well honestly the only thing you can do well there's two things you can do one is you <clears throat> set up uh, an alarm and you go outside Every single day, about every two hours, with um, an empty, you know, tuna fish can in your hand and a little bit of water in the can and a drop of oil. And you go and you pick those beetles off the roses and you drop them in the can. And I they, do that. they drown. Not every two hours, but I do daily. Yeah, I know it's hard. It's like quit, quit a job to, to look after lot. the roses. They're, it's true. Um, they, and they love roses. They, and they, they're, so, they're very slow-moving insects, so they are very easy to pick and drown or squish, as the case may be. But squishing isn't recommended because when you squish, other Japanese beetles know that you've squished one and then they all come to the oh, rescue yikes. so you don't want to squishing's <laughs> not recommended better to drown uh but they do love roses and yes at my house they don't eat the roses they eat the beans so going back to that idea of companion gardening you might want to consider having something like a lure like beans because then the japanese beetles will just eat your bean plants and leave your roses alone oh. next year so you know there's that idea as well there are traps japanese beetle traps and they will attract the, the, the traps are designed with pheromones in them to, to actually attract the beetles. I'm not a big fan of putting those traps well, yeah, it's on like all my the rest property. Of the beetles in the neighborhood come. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of having a hundred beetles, you have a thousand beetles. <laughs> but uh, and then you have to empty the traps because they get so full. Mm-hmm. But if you have uh, in your neighborhood uh, close by a schoolyard or a parking lot or a neighbor no, no, who's no. not around or <laughs> or a park oh, or something <laughs> you just hang the drop there <laughs> how about spray there's no spray that will kill them they uh, i went to the nursery cup last year and they gave me melatonin or something 
called. Oh, they give you malathion? Yes, I think so. Mal- um, in berry? In berry, yeah. I'd be surprised. Yeah, the only, the only sprays that are out there that are for insects that they might sell you would be either a soap spray or something called pyrethrin uh, spray. Um, <sighs> technically, <clears throat> either of those could work, <clears throat> but the way they work is you have to coat the body, the entire body of the beetles, and, and they may not die. It might just slow them down. Like they, it's yeah. It's going to happen every year now, or is this... Well, like, insect uh, populations are very variable depending on the season. So some years we have lots of them, and some years not so many. Uh, so if you're seeing a lot this year, chances are you won't see a lot next year. But do, um, you know, I mean, the only other thing is you can protect your roses with netting, but then that kind of... Yeah, defeats, defeats the purpose yeah. of the beautiful roses. So, you know, there are what we call floating row covers. It's almost like a very fine mesh that you could put over the roses, which will keep them protected. Uh, and because this is there's just an optimal time when they eat. It's kind of mid mid July to mm, late August. There's kind of a four to six week window when they do all their eating. So, yeah, I mean, just I, the best thing I've always found is just keep going out there and keep picking them and drowning them. Pick and round. I, pick and round. I wish I had a better solution, but that's that's all I've got. I love your diversionary tactics of putting him in a neighbor's <laughs> yard who maybe is away on holidays. <laughs> oh, you're right. Thank you, Susie. Sorry, I know that Charlie would love to do more of a help, but there doesn't seem to be really anything other than that to do. I know. They're right? really a problem. Mm. And yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, 9.20, almost 9.30 on the button, actually. Mm-hmm. Let's... Uh, Ring that bell for oh, Patty in Brampton. Hello, Patty. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for taking my call. I really appreciate this. Our pleasure. Um, I have been away from uh, home for about uh, three weeks and uh, unfortunately haven't been tending to my garden. I have uh, several um, uh, beefsteak potato, uh, pardon me, tomato plants mm-hmm. and um actually a spaghetti squash vine that's pulled uh, some of them down <laughs> to the ground with the tendrils. Uh-huh. So I was out last night trying to pull them back up and put them onto, uh, this, uh, tie them to the stakes. But mm-hmm. because the tomatoes are on there and they're so heavy, mm-hmm. they won't tie to the stakes. Like they just droop right back down again. Is there some sort of a solution I can use? Hmm. Well, first off, you've got to uh, snip those tendrils so that the squash plant is on the ground and the tomatoes are not being held by the, t- the squash. Yes, I've done that. So, so you've done that. So the tomatoes are now loose. It does, at this time, once the fruit has set like that and the waste is on those branches, the only thing you can do is have a number of stakes and give each branch its own stake. And you just need, you don't want to use like twist ties or anything sharp like that. You want to use loose um, pieces of pantyhose. Um, um, I use some, there's sort of different little tomato clips out there. There's little Velcro strips you can use. But bottom line is each branch, you basically kind of hold it up. And while you're holding it up, drive a stake in parallel to roughly the best you can do to hold that up. And then it's attaching the, the, the branch carefully to that stake and making sure, you know, it's a strong enough stake and it's driven into the ground far enough that it, it won't fall over with all the heavy tomatoes attached. But okay. in the future, next spring, for example, um, there are some, some things that I do just to, to try and be ahead of the game when all those tomatoes start to form. And I'm, I'm, I do use tomato cages just to help 
um, like sort of support all the weight and the branches. But you've got to get the tallest um, like minimum four foot, if you can find five foot cages, that's the best when it comes to beefsteaks. Some people actually build their own, which is amazing. Then you can make them, you know, really tall because beefsteaks will get six and seven feet tall. And mm-hmm. a cage is only three or four feet tall and you've still got, you know, three feet falling over at the top. So I'm, I do multi things. I do cage, I do steaks, and I train the tomato to stay inside the cage as much as I can because they'll go all over the map if you don't stay on top of them. They'll yes. send shoots everywhere. Yeah, How I'm many tomatoes that. do you wind up with over the season, Charlie? You uh, must open a store for every season. Well, not really. <laughs> you know what? My biggest issue is I keep putting my tomatoes back in the same spot, and you all, your your quality of tomato and or fruit, your harvest goes down as you don't rotate your crops, uh, right? That's the one limiting factor of repeatedly growing in the same spot. But, um, but yeah, so, for, so with those tomatoes, just do your best to get them off the ground because you will get a far better yield and uh, you won't have all the slugs. There's an awful lot of slugs out there this year and snails, yeah. and they'll yeah. start biting all over the tomatoes if they're anywhere near the ground. Fantastic. Thank okay. you very much. Th- thanks for You're calling welcome. in, Patty. Yeah, thanks for calling. And welcome anytime. You know, second-time callers, we love to hear from you again. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. As we go out to Rexdale now, say hi to Trudy. Good morning, Trudy. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have a problem with the hoster. Yes. Last year, it seemed to, a blight seemed to strike, strike them all. Uh-huh. And um, three or four of them didn't come back this year at all. Mm. But the two of them that did come back puzzled me because they used to be a high, beautiful high plant. Mm. Uh, good half a meter high. Okay. And now when they came back this year... Mm-hmm. They are much smaller. They are very short, and of course now there's a big space around them. Right. You know, so I don't really know whether whether they can change so much or what mm. happened there. Uh, they can't. Do they look? Do the leaves? They're smaller, obviously, but do the, do the leaves look similar they to what they used seem to look? To look the same, but they they did have a darker edge, mm-hmm. and they were very light in color otherwise. So with a dark edge, and they're still doing yeah. that this year? And they still somehow like that, but uh, I don't know. If they don't flower, they only have one uh, clump, has only one flower this year, and of course the flower is not why I grow them. I, no. I grow no, them so, because yeah. I have a very... Uh, shady yard mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, facing north, and there's a huge old Norway maple there, right? Right, yeah. And hostas are famous for doing well in shady locations. Yeah, well, this is why I finally succeeded with hosta. Mm-hmm. I tried uh, Pachi, Sandra, and whatever. I wasn't very lucky with any of it. Uh, and But hosta had been growing nicely, and especially... At the edges where I have a little garden. So tell me, do you have any idea what variety of hosta you're growing? Unfortunately not. I used to buy them every time I saw one, you know. Yeah. 
and some of them were beautiful. They were dark green with white edges. And now, uh, well, those died last year slowly. Mm. At the, from the bottom up, there were brown leaves, and all of a sudden the whole plant disappeared, you know. Okay, so last year was a very sunny, hot summer. And so in the shade under maple trees, particularly where the maple is sucking whatever liquids were available, it is possible that the hostas just struggled too much for, with lack of moisture to stay alive. The other thing that might have done damage to them last year and would have carried over to this year is a virus that some hostas will suddenly um start presenting as not looking like they used to look. They can, the leaves can get all kind of gnarly and twisted. You can get some different coloration on the leaves. Uh, ultimately, the virus is a huge problem because it spreads to the other hostas and all the hostas start looking particularly, you know, looking quite bad. This year, opposite to last year, we're having lots and lots of moisture. So there's no shortage of moisture for the hostas. But then there are an awful lot of slugs and snails out there. The population mm-hmm. of slugs and snails at my house is unbelievable. I've gone out in the dark and taken some pictures, and it's like like the the ground is just covered oh, yes. with slugs and snails. And and yeah, don't go um, in your bare feet then. Yikes. No, it's pretty crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention squishy. Um, you're in Rexdale. I am. I garden in Richmond Hill, and in June of this year, we had quite a severe hailstorm, and the hail just absolutely destroyed the hosta leaves. Just shredded them. Plus, all those lugs and snails have been going to town. So my hostas are looking pretty rough, I will say that. <laughs> they do look like they've been through the ringer. However, I, next year's another a new year, right? Like it's all going to be a brand new year, brand new yeah. leaves. Everything's going to start fresh. What I would do in your case, Trudy, is I would visit uh, in Rexdale. Visit, go out to best place you could go to would be Humber Nurseries or one of the garden centers in your area. And as we get towards the end of August and into September, all all the plants are going to be on sale. It's, you know, it's oh. the old end of season, mm-hmm. clear things out. So I would be looking to get some discounted hostas if I were you and go back in there and replace where you lost some. But just, you know, make sure that the soil, you've added some good manure, some organic matter, water thoroughly. And then remember, if we do get a dry year, you are going to have to water those plants, particularly underneath a water-hogging maple tree. All right. Okay, Trudy. Thank thank you for calling in and uh, getting that sage advice from <laughs> Charlie. And we have to take a wee bit of a break here. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I'll let you know those phone numbers again just in case we can... Uh, oh, we only have one line open. That's okay then. 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free. 1-866-740-4740. Charlie shall return to the airwaves, as will I, in moments. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And this sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor here, welcoming from Oshawa, there's Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to the show. Hello there. Morning. How's Charlie? Excellent. Um, I have a rose, mm-hmm. and this happened last year as well as this year. It starts out great, you know, nice and green leaves, beautiful flowers. Mm-hmm. And then it seems as if all the chloroform in the leaves 
drains out, and I have these pinky red leaves. And I know, just looked out a while ago, and the leaves are beginning to green again. Now, last year was dry. This year it's wet. Yeah. Hmm. Do you know what kind of rose it is? I forget. I mm. knew you were going to ask me. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> but pinky red yeah. leaves. Okay, that's weird. Do you know what the top of a smoke bush is? Yeah. Very tippy, tippy top. Well, when it's that smoking. Pinky color. Uh, so when it's fl- when it's flowering or, or just the leaf color? No, well, I guess yeah. whatever they're doing. No, they're not flowering. It's well, the, the smoking. end of the leaves. That's the color they are, mm. if you can re- think of that color. All right. And are they, are your, okay, are your roses in full sun? How much, how much sun yes, do they get? Yes, my backyard. You've been here. Backyard's I full sun. I had a feeling I knew who you were. <laughs> I've been to your place, yes. Um, all right. That is very full sun. Um, all right, so that's good. Roses should be happy. When leaves turn red, which they will sometimes do, and it'll start on the edges, and then it'll move in, but it's you get a real red edge, and it might be green in the center. That usually means plants are getting too much sun, which is pretty odd. Roses never, you can't give roses too much sun. The only one that does that. Yeah, okay, so just that one variety does that. But, yeah, so, you know, it could, it's, it, the, the, the leaves are responding to light levels. Okay. I think. And so now you're seeing the, the red is disappearing and the leaves are looking more normal, and that's because our light intensity has gone down quite a bit as the, as the earth is turning and the sun is coming in on a stronger slant and the days are obviously getting shorter as well than back two months ago when you know, the sun was right overhead and, and obviously longer days. So yep. I think that's what's going on. Like I don't think it's a problem. I, it might look a bit odd when it's happening, um, but I don't think it's anything that's going to cause the, the demise of the rose or anything like that. No, it, it hasn't adjusted, you know, like leaves falling and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I was curious and just thought maybe yeah. you would have an answer. Well, at this point, that's my answer. My answer is it's it's <laughs> sun. It's sunlight. I mean, I can, again, I can double check that and see if there's any other reason that could happen. But, but that definitely does happen when light levels are extremely high. Okay. Um, oh, you know, and maybe a little bit of shade. Maybe it needs a nice, you know, a Rose of Sharon or something nearby, something that'll well, cast a bit of shade. Well, it has a burning bush fairly close mm. to it, mm-hmm. and it, it's got getting out of hand, too. <laughs> okay. Happy plants, You've right? got a number of problem children there. That's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, they just keep growing. What are you going to do? Yeah, thank you, Nancy. Thanks for calling. Nice it's, to hear from you. Speaking of sun, it's going to be a very interesting uh, day on Monday with a total eclipse. I know. Boy, oh, boy, we'll maybe talk about that some other time, but... Uh, yeah. I guess the place to be seeing in the Down best in the middle of the states. That's right. Yeah. I was I was listening to a different radio station on the way here this morning, and somebody called from a Greyhound bus on his way to Nashville to oh, go watch wow. the eclipse. Wouldn't that be cool? It was here. Yeah. Was kind of we get about seventy percent of it apparently here yeah. in Ontario. <laughs> anyway, um, on to our callers because they're waiting patiently. Like there's Sally in Hamilton. Good morning, Sally. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a problem with my grass. Our grass is very, very lovely, but uh, there is our grass is turning like orange, oh, yeah. and we notice there's like wasps or hornets flying very, very close to the grass. And when the grass is dry and you walk on it, you get all this uh, stuff on your shoes. And it's it's orange. It's orange. You know yeah. what you you know what that is? That's no. a, a disease. It's a rust disease. A wasp. 
like R-U-S-T, just like it looks like on your shoes. That orange is the spores that are sitting on the leaves, the blades of grass, and they, they come off the grass and stick to your shoes. And the reason you've got that rust is because, well, let's think, do you have potentially a fair amount of thatch in your lawn? meaning the drainage isn't excellent in that area and that it tends to be a bit on the soggy side? I think probably we do because it's quite thick, the grass. Yeah. What I would, to avoid this, it's not going to kill your grass or anything like that. It's just going to look, it doesn't look very nice right now. And of course, it also gets all over your shoes. Um, I think the wasps and hornets is just um, coincidental. There's nothing really going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it goes back again to that, just that high moisture level of in the soil. So we've got oh. lots and lots of moisture and, and fungal diseases are super happy with these conditions. For the future, whether it's this fall or next spring, I would consider getting a thatching rake. And when you're raking your lawn, which we do for sure in the spring and can do in the fall as well, consider doing this dethatching, and that'll help just, um, yeah, alleviate some of that thickness, which uh-huh. will then encourage water to get through better. Get the fertilizer can get through better, and and you should definitely remember to do the fall fertilizing either September or October for the lawn because the more the healthier the lawn is the more it can withstand any stresses from various diseases mm-hmm. but the, the rust is not that unusual and it does happen when it when we get the real wet summers oh so that's what it is too much water yep and, uh-huh. and humidity things you and can't humidity. control I may you don't do you have an irrigation system by any chance no okay good I was gonna say if you do then shut it off <laughs> okay yeah, no no we don't okay Right. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for Thanks calling for in. Thanks for calling. Uh, yep. Yeah, we couldn't do it without you, for heaven's sakes. Uh, we have to take just a wee oh, uh, bit okay. of a break here. All right. Give you a chance to regroup your forces, Charlie. Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, well, I admire you so much. You're able to just ad-lib through all of it as if it's nothing. And yet it's you're, you're draining all that information from your noggin. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that you can I don't see. <laughs> you can see my eyes are yeah. starting to go like. All right. But we have a first-time caller patiently waiting on the nice. line, so let's take a break and come back and chat with them. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, here we are. I do believe we got a first-time caller again here. Hey, there you go. with Evelyn, that's for you right here in Toronto. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I've always wanted to call in, so here's my there office. You well, go. There you go. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have uh, roses on the west side of our home, mm. uh, and they're approximately 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And what I've found over the years and really didn't think about it until this morning with some of the calls that the growing season for those roses are quite short. So they come out around mid to late June, and Mm -hmm. they really only um, flower for, I would say, three to four weeks. And then we do not have uh, roses. Reblooming. Okay, yeah, because they're old old varieties by the sounds of it. Yeah. Okay, okay. How big are these, like, big shrub roses? They are, and Mm -hmm. they're against a wall. So how deep is that garden? Three feet, four feet? I would say, yes, probably three to four feet. Okay. And at this point, these, and how tall are the roses that you've got there now? Um, Well, the roses aren't blooming any longer, but the plant is probably 
um, I would say, a little more than six feet. Yeah. So, okay, when it does bloom, is it a rose that you love? Like, is it very fragrant or a beautiful no. color? <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that answers that question. So, okay. So, I mean, they're, they're, they are nice, but they're not that full, really. But can I give you a suggestion? And I know that it, it's, that's why I wonder, are these like really special roses? If they're not special... And it was a big old rose bush, like a 30-year-old rose bush. I personally wouldn't want to do this. I would hire some handy-dandy person who is going to cut that all down and dig all that out. So right. I say goodbye to that rose or those roses. Now we've got that west wall, which is absolutely perfect. Roses love to be on a west wall because the wall gets all hot from the sun. And it provides this nice warm backdrop. And they, it's very excellent way to avoid diseases to have roses up against a hot wall like that and then I obviously you would amend the soil you, after 30 years it's going to be depleted of nutrients so you're going to get a bunch of composted manure you're going to dig that all in you're going to go to your local garden center whichever is sort of your favorite and you're going to look for some of the newer variety of roses I have been so pleased this year with um, there's a whole they're called the knockout roses so just like a knock K-N-O-C-K knockout is a series of roses. They're, they're, the first one was just a single red flower. Now there's double red knockouts. There's pink knockouts. There's even coral colored. So, and they're not like the buds look like a traditional rose, but when they open, they're not a million and one petals. They're fairly simple flowers, but boy are they spectacular. Bloom nonstop. We're talking blooming oh. from June and my, these roses at my place have been blooming this year. They've loved all this water and, and the sun when it's come out. Not a speck of disease, not a single insect, just bang of color mm-hmm. and still going strong. I don't deadhead them. I don't do anything. And I know they're just going to keep blooming right through till Christmas or, you know, hard, hard frost. Mm-hmm. And then next spring, I'll start the, the, the season by cutting them down and fertilizing in the spring and then ignore them for the rest of the Gee, season. Gee, well, that sounds like an excellent idea, doesn't so it? So n- newer varieties of roses like that, they're, they're like a flowering shrub that just keeps on flowering. They're not particularly fragrant. So if you were looking for fragrance, you might want to think about mixing in. Remember last week we were talking about that At Last rose? Mm-hmm. So it's called At Last. Very fragrant. And again, you know, three feet wide, three feet tall. That one's a coral color. Uh, the knockouts are not fragrant, but they're super easy to grow. Uh, would you be able to plant them this time of year? Oh, sure. Yep, yep. You, you'll be able to buy them in a pot, and as long as your ground is not frozen, you can, pot, you can plant those any time. But just make sure you do get, get, take out the old and get that soil amended. Yes, yeah. Well, thank you so okay. much. That's great. All okay, right. thank Good you. Good luck with that. Um, hey, we have a caller okay. in from just across the border Oh, so here. we do, yeah. Uh, and i got to find out where Derby, New York is. Hello, Anne. Where, where the heck are you located? Derby is about 30 miles south of Buffalo. Okay. Oh, excellent. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm near the lake. Hmm. Well, I have the same problem that I had last year, and a lady called earlier with the same problem. I have right. the same problem. It's my hostess. Mm-hmm. Something's happening to the hostess. <laughs> I have hundreds of hostess. Now, now, I have them under maple trees. I have them under pine trees. I have them in mostly shade. Mm-hmm. A whole mixture of different areas around my very large yard. Mm-hmm. These plants are shrinking in size. I'm talking about plants that were once three feet wide yeah. are now down to a foot and a half. Wow. And it's mostly the hostas that are affected the most 
are the ones with any white or light green. Huh. Now, last year when I called, I told, I told mm-hmm. you about this, and you said, well, lift them out in one section and put new mulch down and manure, and I did that. Mm-hmm. No change. Wow. Mm. And I, I, something, now, a lady who lives about two blocks from me, she's also complaining of the same problem. Mm. Now, I water the, I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's not a water issue. We're beautiful. Uh-huh. And even when they throw up a uh, flower, the flower is kind of like um, the stem isn't as thick, and right. the flower is um, it's like it's weepy. It's not very strong. Mm. And so, and when you were, did the um, lifting and mm, sort of soil amending, did you do any dividing with those roses? Yeah, I did. Oh, those yeah, those I did Matter of fact, what I did, what I do, to, what I do to hostas, I pick the small ones up and mm. I put them in uh, planters, and then I give right. them to friends. Yeah. Even when I put them in planters, I'm saying. These hostas are not growing. Yeah, small. Huh. Something is oh, happening. Yep, now, something is. What? Something is happening. So this is you've yeah. piqued my interest between yeah. you and um, Trudy, who called from Rexdale here in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. Issues with the hostas not Whoa. growing to full size. So you know what? Leave this with me because we're almost to the end of the show. So I'm, I'm gonna. Thanks for giving us a call. Listen next week, and I will report back. I'll take now, this home a as some homework. Farm that's about sixty mm-hmm. miles from me. I'm gonna call them up yeah. to see if they report any changes. Yeah, exactly. It'll be the growers that'll have the insight into what's yeah. going on here. But so excellent. See if, see if you you do your homework. I'll do mine, and we'll get together again next Saturday and and chat it up and see what uh, what's going on there. Maybe we can solve the problem for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks, calling thanks in. Thanks for calling in. Uh, nice to have you with us here on a Saturday morning and when our show is just about over. Uh, we're, uh, well, I don't know whether you're in for a treat, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie and I usually head off to uh, High Park to the Grenadier Restaurant after the show mm-hmm. uh, to have a little post-mortem on the show and just to have a nice breakfast. So today we're being joined by my uh, youngest son, Toby, and his lovely wife, Katie, and the kids, Sydney, Ellie, and Sammy. I so, can't wait. Are you prepared? Huh? I don't know. <laughs> the, wi- the wild child in yeah. me will come out, I guess, when oh, I'm hanging out brother. with the wild children. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be fun. <laughs> we'll eat outside. Yeah. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Looking forward to it. Steak and eggs, you're paying, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm picking up the whole bill. Wow. Oh, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, and you're back this afternoon with yes, more on the go. I'll be here. And so thank you, Frank, the best sous chef in the world. Couldn't do without you. And uh, yes, I'm going to have to report back on hostas, and I'm going to check into uh, scorch on chestnut trees. Maybe there's a little more that's happened mm-hmm. in the last 40 years that I'm not aware of to go back to Heather, our first caller today. So I've got lots of work to do. You do. Sebastian, thank you, my friend. Yes, exactly. Couldn't do without Sebastian. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.